Welcome to the Real Birth Podcast, the show where real parents share real birth stories and get really honest about how it went. You might be a first-time expectant parent or on your eighth baby. Perhaps you're a birth worker or maybe you just love learning about birth. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. This podcast aims to educate and empower listeners through the real stories of mums and dads. I'm Lucy Hill. I'm a doula, a mum of a toddler and a complete birth nerd. Join me as I invite all kinds of parents to share their stories of pregnancy, birth and beyond. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Real Birth Podcast. Today my guest is Holly who shares her two birth stories and her experience of NICU stays. At her 20-week scan, Holly and her husband Mark were told that their daughter Ivy had a heart abnormality known as transposition of the great arteries or TGA. In essence, Ivy's two main heart arteries had grown around the wrong way, meaning her heart wasn't pumping oxygen-rich blood around the body. Their consultant described the condition as incompatible with life unless baby Ivy had surgery just within days of her birth. Holly tells the story of what it was like to accept a diagnosis for her baby before she had even been born, and how she then prepared for the inevitable surgery which was to come. Holly also shares her second birth story with her son, Walter, who, for completely unrelated reasons, also spent a short time in the NICU. Holly is so articulate, so calm, and so easy to talk to, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. I learned so much from listening to her. So without further ado, here is Holly to tell her stories. Hi, Holly. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. It's really nice to meet you. Could you tell us a little bit about you and your family before we get started? Yeah, sure. Hi, Lucy. So it's me, um, my husband, Mark, and our two children, Ivy and Walter. Ivy is four, five in a few months, uh, and Walter, who um, is nearly three. Uh, We live in Bristol, and yeah, it's uh, just the four of us. In terms of when you first became pregnant, what did that look like for you when you got pregnant the first time? Was that an intentional pregnancy for you? Were you planning to have children? How did that go? It was. Um, it was a bit of a funny one. So uh, Mark and I had decided that um, we were going to start trying to have a baby as soon as we got married. And I had come off contraception in a a few months before just to sort of let my body get back to normal have my you know cycle settle down a little bit so we were being careful planning the wedding and then we went on we kind of did a bit of a reverse honeymoon so we went um, to New Zealand before we got married and we were getting married in the winter so we were just going to have a small break after after the wedding And then one night in New Zealand, we just had a few drinks and (laughs) weren't too sensible. And it just happened. It was amazing. I didn't really realise that I I didn't think it could happen or might happen that way for us, but it did. And when we got home, I actually thought that my period was late because of jet lag, (laughs) uh, because I had taken a pregnancy test and it was negative my period still didn't come I thought I, I kind of googled it and I thought it could be jet lag and then a week later we were speaking to our wedding photographer just met them to have a have a chat with them and I ordered a glass of wine and I took a sip and I could not drink it 
so I got home and took another one and uh, yeah it was it was positive so <laughs> I was 16 weeks pregnant when we got married it was not planned that way they had to rip the back of my dress out and put ribbons in but that's that's the way it happened for us we were very lucky that it happened the first time yeah amazing oh so I know that you've obviously got two little ones so let's talk about your first pregnancy um initially how did your pregnancy go um did you feel okay and were you feeling all right on your wedding day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was I it was great actually to start with I uh, didn't have any sickness didn't really have any nausea the main thing for me during my pregnancy was fatigue I was absolutely exhausted but no it seemed to be going really well the 12 week scan was great I towards the end of the pregnancy I did have sort of a lot of pelvic pain and again a lot of tiredness I really didn't feel great towards the end of the pregnancy but Generally speaking, I think I was quite, quite lucky and everything seemed to be going great until we had our 20 week scan. And then um, we had some news that we weren't really expecting. So what happened at your 20 week scan? We went in and everything was fine. We went through the whole scan and found out we were having a little girl everything looked great but the sonographer said that there was just one little bit of the heart that he couldn't see and he made me lift my hips up and wiggle and walk around and drink water and you know all the usual things and baby still wasn't playing ball so he said go away come back in a few days and we'll do it again and just see he said it's quite a um, funny angle um, and a bit of a difficult bit of the heart to see so come back we'll just double check that that's fine but everything else looks great so we left and I remember getting into the car and saying to Mark are you worried do you do you think he saw something and wasn't quite sure and Mark said oh no no it's fine it's just that they have to be thorough um, and he just couldn't see it so I just put that sort of niggle to the back of my mind and then we went back a couple of days later saw the same sonographer again he was great and he was looking for ages and ages and ages and he said I'm just going to get a second opinion and he walked out and another woman came in and I can remember just looking at Mark and him just sort of squeezing my hands. And I just knew that they'd seen something and I could hear them talking to each other. It was like a different language. I could hear what they were saying, but it didn't make any sense to me. And I can just remember him saying, do you agree? And she said, yes, I agree. So then they went and got a third woman in. And that was the point where they said, we think there's a problem with your baby's heart. And I, It was very difficult at that point because we didn't really know what it was. We were told that we needed to be referred to um, see a cardiologist. And we were so we're so lucky um, living in Bristol because we were able to see a cardiologist that afternoon. So all they said to us was there are two main arteries in the heart that come out of the heart. One that brings oxygen rich blood from the lungs to the heart to be pumped around the body and one that takes the oxygen poor blood back to the lungs to be oxygenated and those two they thought that those two um, arteries were 
around the wrong way for IV. So essentially doing the complete opposite. So pumping oxygen poor blood to the body and just sending the oxygen rich blood around in a in a circle. So we were referred to a cardiologist. We had about two hours to kill. So we went and sat in a pub and I we, we were just totally in shock. We didn't know what to think. And I was the one that was sort of my nature is to say, well, what about this? And what would you what what do you think we'd do if this was the case? And how would you feel if this was the case? And do you think, you know, that this might happen? And Mark was brilliant in kind of bringing me down and saying, let's talk about these things when we know what we're we're talking about. Let's just have some lunch and have a drink. So we went back a couple of hours later and saw a specialist cardiologist and he confirmed the diagnosis that it was a condition called transposition of the great arteries which is exactly what I explained Mm. the two main arteries are switched he explained that without surgery then our baby wouldn't survive it wasn't a condition you could live with but that there was very successful surgery that you could have called the arterial switch which um, would be performed within a few days of the baby's birth right and there was an extremely good prognosis so I think about 96 percent wow that's success rate I know you mentioned obviously being in Bristol like the hospital care in Bristol is particularly good isn't it and they do have a fantastic children's hospital so Absolutely. And there's also the Heart Institute there, which I think a lot of people don't know, but the main Heart Institute is in Bristol as well. So they have some some incredible surgeons and um, cardiologists. So we were in a fantastic position. So yeah, so sorry. (laughs) No, so so once you'd had that diagnosis, and you knew that with the with the surgery being performed pretty soon after birth, the prognosis was really good. How were you feeling then? I imagine you were still incredibly worried about your baby, but I suppose everything then focuses on something that's going to happen to them as soon as they're born. You'd expect, you know, the average first time mum is thinking about as soon as the baby's born or, you know, going home and having the pictures and, you know, introducing to friends and family and that newborn bubble, but that's just not the case for your situation. So I imagine all your plans went out the window. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely did. We had so many questions. So we had questions about the pregnancy, about the birth, about, you know, what this would change and how it needed to work and what options we had. Um, So there was a lot of that. And yeah, of course, after, you know, questions about after she was born. But we very quickly, we, we kind of just decided that, okay we're just going to treat this like our new normal Mm. we didn't want it for it to consume us we still wanted it to be an exciting time a beautiful time we wanted to enjoy the pregnancy and the birth we just had to realize that there were certain things that we had wanted that we couldn't have Mm. so water birth for example Mm. um and things like that So yeah, we just, we carried on. We actually threw ourselves into fundraising for heart charities, which helped us sort of focus um, on something really positive and just made sure that we educated ourselves as to 
what was going to happen and made decisions for the rest of the pregnancy and the birth based on the information that we'd been given. Mm. So it was strange, but yeah. So how did the diagnosis affect your plans for the actual birth itself? And were you given many options or what were you told had to happen basically in order for the safest delivery for for your baby? Sure. So um, I was still fine to have a natural birth. I was expecting that they might suggest a cesarean, but actually because we lived in Bristol and we live so close to the hospital, timing wise wasn't a problem I think for families who live further away from a hospital where they can perform the surgery they do like to suggest cesarean sections just because timing is key but no we were told I could have uh, still have a natural birth but I couldn't have a water birth because the baby's heart would need to be under constant monitoring okay Um, so that was really the only restriction they gave me, which surprised me. We knew that we would have to go in as soon as I went into labour so that they could ensure that there was a room in, there was a bed in NICU for the baby mm-hmm. in, in intensive care and that the surgeons and doctors that they would need to be on hand would be there. As well as the open heart surgery that they'd mentioned, they had also mentioned to me about the fact that in order to sustain the baby, um, whilst in the first sort of week of her life, until she got to a good weight to have the surgery, they might also have to do keyhole surgery, which they did end up having to do. Okay. Uh, And that was pretty much immediate. That was just to force a hole into the heart so that the blood could mix. So some oxygen was being pumped. So we knew that that was going to be the case, but actually there wasn't much that we had to consider with regards to the birth. As it turned out, she was breech. And I had an ECV to try and where they try and turn the baby um, because I was really keen to have a natural birth. So they tried to turn her and she was not for turning. So I did end up having a planned C-section in the end. But that was purely because she was breaching and wouldn't move. Okay. And I didn't want to risk having a natural breech birth because of the heart complications. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's totally understandable. It's just another kind of variation on normal, isn't it, that gets thrown into the mix that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So at that point, you, I suppose, you were able to kind of plan plan the day then if you knew if you knew that the cesarean was on the cards. And, and in a way, then you know that all the surgeons that you really, really need to be there are definitely going to be there because you've booked it. Um, and the time set so how did you feel knowing that everything was booked and how did that kind of last day day or two of pregnancy go just before she was born it was a bit of a it was a bit of a whirlwind for us so what had happened was when we started doing uh, some of the fundraising that we were doing for the heart charities we actually got approached by a tv show and asked if what by a charity and a television show and asked if they could follow our journey to wow. raise awareness of genital heart disease because whereas a lot of heart charities have done a lot of work with babies and children they haven't this particular charity hadn't actually worked with someone who was pregnant 
through the birth. So we were actually being uh, followed by a film crew, which was very strange. It, again, though, it just sort of took the pressure off a little bit in a funny sort of way, because when we approached, when we arrived at the hospital, we were sort of in the in the car on the phone saying, right, we're here. So they could film us walking in and it sort of gave us another thing to focus on. I had drawn the line. I said I didn't want them to film the birth, but they did film IV surgery. So, yeah, so it was a bit strange in that respect, but it was really nice to know like you said that it was really we knew that uh, they would make sure there was a bed for the baby in NICU that all of the surgeons were going to be there they actually came to meet us which was amazing we met them ahead of time it was just it was wonderful the way that they did it they prepared so we felt very well prepared and we're excited. I think because we had known since our 20 week scan and because we had very quickly gone into the mindset of we just want this to be our new normal, we were so excited to meet our new baby. So yeah, it was nice. It was mm. nice. We were apprehensive, of course, but but it was but it was good. Mm. So tell me about the the cesarean. How did it go and, and what happened when she when she had actually been born? So we had a bit of a false start. Uh, I was sitting just about to have my spinal block and a woman, it was literally like a TV show, just burst through the doors and shouted, stop, um, because another baby had been blue lighted into the hospital and taken the baby's bed in intensive care. So we had to well, they had to wheel me back out again and I had to wait. Um, but when it finally happened, it wasn't quite what I had expected. We had been told that we would probably get a few seconds of cuddles and we didn't. When she was born, she was very, very blue. And I just saw a tiny bit of her nose as they wheeled her past, which... We knew that was always a possibility, but I had hopes that we would be able to have a, a, you know, a bit of a cuddle. I can't remember a lot about the next couple of hours. I think that my, I, I don't know if I had a reaction to the morphine or whether it was just everything that was going on, but it's all a bit of a blur. I went into recovery and they came in and said that because she had been so blue, she had to be rushed down for the emergency keyhole mm. procedure. So they had done that and they would let me know how it went. And a few hours went past and we still hadn't had an update. And then after maybe three or four hours, they said that Mark could go and see her, that they'd settled her uh, in intensive care, but that I would have to wait because I'd had a C-section, I'd have to wait until I was well enough to go down. So Mark was sort of going in between the two of us and he'd taken some photos. But I felt very detached at that point. And from that moment, my main focus was breastfeed, like trying to express the colostrum and trying to just sort of that get that going I imagine that's something um, that you'd been able to think about ahead of time so had you had you kind of come up with a with a plan and your sort of ideal feeding situation I knew I wanted to breastfeed I did look at 
the different ways that I could try and stimulate my breast milk without obviously having my baby around. As it turned out, my milk came in almost immediately. I didn't have any issues with that. So that was really good. But I had thought about it a lot ahead of time. And yeah, that was just kind of, that's what I started to focus on. But I was very groggy. And then after about six hours, my midwife or one of the midwives said to me, would you like to go and see your baby? And I said, oh, I thought I had to wait for, I think they said 12 hours or something. And she said, oh, no, it's OK. If you can get into a wheelchair, I'll take you down there. So I got into the wheelchair. She wheeled me down. And I really wish I hadn't. I've pushed it because, again, I don't know whether it was because of everything that was going on or because of the morphine, but I can remember going in and seeing the incubator and Mark was talking to one of the doctors and the doctor started talking at me, but he was stood behind me and I I wanted to look at my baby, but the doctor was talking to me and was stood behind me. And I just remember feeling this huge conflict of wanting to hear what they were saying, but just wanting to look at my baby. And then when I did look at her, I hallucinated and I just saw this huge giant baby. And I can remember just thinking, I don't understand that. That's not what she looked like. Why is she so huge? And then I blacked out. I don't know whether I passed out. I I don't know what happened, but I blacked out and they had to take me up to the ward. So Mm. it wasn't amazing (laughs) the first time I saw her. But the next time when I'd had some time to really rest and relax, I went back down and it was lovely. I think that's a great lesson, though, in... C-section is such a major surgery. It's so big. And of course we want to get up and go and do the things with the baby and see the baby, but it is no joke. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I I thought, you know, oh, I'll be okay if I'm in a wheelchair, but you're you're absolutely right. It's it's a surgery that I think is so overlooked and so people just don't understand it's massive major surgery so yes it wasn't it wasn't the best experience but when I did finally get to see her um it was nice we could sort of put our hands to um Mm -hmm. and we were doing things like so we'd also prepared things like I slept with muslins in my pajamas before we went into hospital and also while I was in hospital so that we could put those in the incubator with her so that she could have our scent with her and we would read to her and, and things like that. But we didn't get to hold her until she was three days old. Right. So that was the, the first time, and you know, sort of trying to navigate all the wires and things like that was strange. But um, yeah, that was the that was the first time we held her. And what weight was she? Was she kind of a, a regular size baby? She was seven six, seven pounds six. Yeah, That's good size. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it probably sounds crazy, but she was perfectly healthy in every single other way. She was a really, really healthy baby, just apart apart from the heart. And do they know? So her condition is that something that she would have inherited through some genetic thing, or is it just like one of those random one in a power of many million thousand chance? Yeah, transposition of the great arteries is just pure fluke. So there is no known genetic uh, link at all. A lot of uh, congenital heart disease is genetic, but 
with TGA, it, it isn't. There's no known link at all. It mm. is just one of those, one of those crazy things. Mm. So, how long after her birth was she able to have her full surgery? She was nine days old when she finally had the surgery. It was uh, postponed a couple of times again because of babies coming in that were a lot sicker than her mm. taking priority. But then on day nine. Her saturation levels, so her uh, blood oxygen were, was very low. And they said, yeah, it was time for her to go down to her surgery. So she went down. We took her in to give her to the anaesthetist. We'd had a lot of conversations ahead of time about how we wanted to play it. The hospital were amazing. They gave us a lot of different options about how things would work. I decided that I didn't want to be with her while she went under. I know a lot of mums do want to sit with their baby while they're and hold their hand while they're being put under. I decided that I didn't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <clears throat> but yeah, we made lots of decisions. And I remember actually one of the key, key memories for me and one of the most amazing points of this whole process was the day before the surgery the surgeon came down to meet us to go through the consent form to go through the the risks and and things of the surgery and he listed the things that could go wrong and there were a lot of them it's a very very serious open heart surgery and he was listing them and I was panicking as you do and then he said I just have to fill this box out. And it was a box that basically was saying, well, what will happen if you don't have the surgery? So these are the risks. What will happen if you don't? And he just wrote, this condition is not compatible with life. Mm -hmm. And that moment was so pivotal for me because I just thought it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the risks are. It doesn't matter all these little things that could potentially happen if we don't agree to this she will die Mm. and it was that moment that just made me think we're doing the right thing I just want to get her down there now and really strangely the day of her surgery was such a relief and people probably think that sounds so crazy but it was the best day we'd had since she'd been born because she was finally having what she needed and you'd known about this for what five months And the first nine days of her life, you know, you can touch her hand and you can sing to her. But this this day means that you will be able to start really living your life with her. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we the doctor said, look, we want you to leave the hospital. There's you won't do any good sitting in the chairs outside. So we we walked down to Bristol Harbour it was a beautiful day it was August it was really sunny we went into a little crafty gift shop and we bought her a hot what we called a heart day present so we buy her on her heart day every year we buy her a present and we bought her a beautiful painting of Bristol Harbour and we went for a walk and we went for lunch and we laughed and I had my first glass of wine in about 11 months, which was amazing. And it probably sounds so bizarre, but it was just such a relief. And we knew that she was in the best hands and she was where she needed to be. Mm. And then we went home and slept. 
um, until we got the yeah, until we got the phone call um, to say that she was out of surgery. So she was in surgery for eight. Well, so the surgery lasted five hours, but all in all, it was eight hours. And then we got the the phone call said everything went really well. So we went into the intensive care and saw her it was quite a shock to see her she was very puffy she looked far more ill than she had done before she went in for her surgery but everything went really well and they were actually able to close her chest which is quite unusual usually they leave um, the baby's chest open for a little while to allow for the swelling to go down but the surgery had gone so well that they were able to close her chest there and then, which was fantastic. That's amazing. So how long did she stay in hospital then before she was kind of fit to, to come home? Only seven days. Which is <gasps> just... amazing. I was thinking you were going to say like three months. Honestly, I, these little babies are just so incredible. They're just made yeah. of magic. Aren't they really, really are. She was only in intensive care for 48 hours. Then she was moved to the ward where we worked on establishing breastfeeding and just making sure that she was fit and healthy. Mm. And yeah, she was discharged seven days later and has been amazing ever since. She has to have lifelong checkups and scans and things like that. Mm. And there are potential issues that she could face uh, down the line but because the surgery was using all of the parts of her own heart there were no false pieces or anything put in it just means that hopefully it will just grow with her and um, Mm. she'll she'll be great she can't have tattoos and piercings (laughs) which um, because of infection which for me I that kind of upset me a little bit but Mm. you know in the grand scheme of things you just think gosh what a small price to pay for you know being so healthy and honestly you would never know now she is incredible she's she started school in September she's doing incredibly well she's active and you would never ever ever know that she'd gone through so much she's doing incredibly well that's incredible so she she's got no real kind of long-term obvious issues no no just amazing to be yeah just to be monitored I mean she's not even my baby and I feel like I want to find that surgeon and just kiss him on the mouth you know are you not just like I love you I honest to God, every time I see him, I cry because I've met him quite a few times since he actually came to her second birthday party and brought her a present. And I do cry every time I see him and I do love him. Like he's just the most incredible man. And he actually is a really beautiful human being as well. That they they are all incredible but yeah oh. absolutely he is yeah I get very emotional when I talk about <laughs> talk faith, about him faith in humanity like times a million yeah oh that's incredible so when did you start thinking about having another baby so we had talked about it and we had decided that we wanted to quite close in age okay and so we had decided to start trying basically as soon as we could which was because I had a c-section a year after 
yeah I had a c-section we knew that we'd caught very very easily with ivy um but we didn't know whether that would happen again so we did start trying it took four months this time which again we're just so lucky Mm. in that respect it yeah it turned out that he they were born sort of they both have birthdays within the same week in August so wow um, yeah almost exactly two years between them so yeah we were very lucky to be able to to catch pretty early with with him as well and how was your pregnancy with him I mean I know that Ivy's condition was not likely to be repeated but there must have been a part of you that was quite anxious at those scans there really was and because of Ivy's um condition we did have extra scans and we were under a specialist throughout the pregnancy as well because although it isn't likely to be genetic it can happen okay so one in a hundred babies is born with some kind of congenital heart disease so that's quite a lot of babies Mm. so yeah so they were um they were great we had extra scans they said that his heart looked lovely I was quite insistent that after he was born that he have a pulse oximetry so to test the it's just the little thing you've probably seen them that you just put your finger in with the red light on yeah. and it just uh, shows your blood oxygen level so I was quite keen for him to have that done after he was born because it would highlight any issues with his heart it isn't something that is done as standard for newborn babies which a lot of heart charities trying to fight um to to make it standard because pulse oximetry tests are everywhere in hospitals so that was something I was really quite insistent on but the pregnancy went well again I was exhausted I don't really enjoy pregnancy Mm. much at all it was a heat wave summer again so um yeah very tired very big but fine and all the scans were great everything was great we then had the discussion about whether I would go for a natural birth this time or whether I'd have a cesarean section and although I did really want a natural birth I ended up making the decision that I felt was best for me and from a mental health perspective, which was to have the cesarean section because we'd had so many unknowns with Ivy and so many question marks. I just wanted to have a bit of control and Mm. know just at least that was what I knew. I knew Mm. the process. I knew when it was going to happen. And there is still a big part of me that does regret not regret that decision it was definitely the right decision but I do there's a there is a sadness in me that you you can feel a grief for something you didn't get to experience yeah absolutely and I and I do feel that but I do again know that it was the right decision for me at the time so we did decide to go for a cesarean section with Walt and it was completely different it was absolutely amazing Mm. we had beautiful playlist it was just such a nice, calm experience with there were only a few doctors in the room as opposed to, you know, everybody. And they lowered the screen as he was being born. So I could see him being born. I couldn't mm-hmm. see any 
you know, gore. <laughs> but yeah. I could see him being born, which was just absolutely wonderful. He was put on my chest straight away. So you've got your you've got your skin to skin cuddles. I got my skin to skin, my cuddles. He was nearly 10 pounds. Wow. So that was a shock. <laughs> yeah. But it was what it was absolutely wonderful. I loved it. Still one of the most amazing experiences. It just just fantastic. And just absolutely adored him from from the second he, he was born. It was just beautiful. And then we went to the ward. And he was a bit, he was a bit grunty mm. and they said, oh, because he's such a big baby and he was born by cesarean section, he's just trying to loosen some of the fluids on his lungs and just, he'll probably cough it up. So I said, oh, could I, have you done the pulse oximetry? And they said, oh no, not yet. Well, you know, ask the next person, you know, on, on the ward that you go to. So it was great for a couple of hours and had loads of cuddles. It was fantastic. Even to the point where Mark said, right, shall I go and get your mum then? Because my mum was looking after Ivy. And he's like, should, we go, shall I go and get your mum and Ivy? And I was like, yeah, go and get them. And a doctor had come in to look at him, at, well, because he was a bit grunty. And she said, oh, no, he's fine. And then I got moved to a different ward and a lovely lovely head midwife came in and I asked again about the pulse oximetry and she said oh well I'll go and get it for you and I can't it's a bit fuzzy I can't remember exactly what happened but they did it and then she just walked in and said I'm really sorry but I'm gonna have to take your baby to NICU now that his breathing's not right and he she just took him she was lovely about it mm. but um so again I was just kind of sat there thinking oh my gosh so I phoned Mark and I saw you're gonna have to come back because Walt's been taken to NICU and I was okay you know I I it, it was kind of what I knew already so I there wasn't really any sense of panic but just it's a huge shock though because everything massive, had gone so yeah. well yeah a massive shock and I kind of think oh no not again and, and actually with this one it was strange because we didn't know what was wrong so with Ivy we'd like you said we'd prepared ourselves but with Walt we didn't know what was going on so from that perspective it was a lot more concerning for me it turned out that he had a collapsed lung he had um, a pneumothorax I don't know whether it was because he was such a big baby and he was trying to clear the fluid from his lungs they said that was probably what it was but he was in intensive care for about five days he was put on a machine called CPAP mm -hmm. which tries to force air down to try and uh, rectify it naturally and then they were saying that if he didn't improve he could potentially have to have surgery as well so we were just hoping and praying that the CPAP machine works. They tried him off it a couple of times and it didn't work. And on day four, they said, you know, he's not improving. And then all of a sudden on day five, he came off CPAP. He was great. And they said, if, when you've established breastfeeding, you can go home. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it was a real whirlwind again. It was just so unexpected. and. There is a real sadness in me that that has happened for them because they both they they both had a start in life without 
cuddles without wires and mm. we weren't able to bath them and take them home and but we really do just try and look at the positives and the positives are that we're so lucky we live in this country we're so lucky that we have such amazing doctors and nurses such amazing care we're so lucky that Ivy's condition was picked up during pregnancy because often you know I think about 50 40 50% of the time it isn't Mm. Um, and then you get to sort of emergency situations so we just have to look at the positives but yeah having two babies in that situation was um yeah not not the odds you'd expect for yourself no were there any um once Walt kind of just came off the machine and was okay was was his lung kind of all all better did he need anything else yeah absolutely fine I don't really know the ins and outs of the condition um and and how it sort of worked and to be honest they didn't really know themselves they said that with that kind of condition it is you sort of try the CPAP machine and you try these different things and just kind of see what works but they couldn't they they didn't do any scans or anything at that point to actually see what was wrong I think had he have moved into his fifth day still without any improvement then that's when they would have looked Mm. at it but no it was absolutely fine he's had no issues at all since and so for both for both babies really when when they were spending that time in the NICU were they being fed with your milk but through a tube or how was that working and and were you kind of on a mission just pumping for both both babies yeah absolutely so they were both they were both being fed my breast milk in different ways at different times so Ivy was tube fed a lot of the time before this it was a bit of a strange one before the surgery she wasn't really allowed too much milk so she was starving Mm. and it was it was awful so I did manage to save quite a lot of breast milk and freeze quite a lot which was great with Walter same it was sort of starting off just syringing him a little bit of milk and then he was tube fed as well um and I did with Ivy, I only managed to breastfeed for about a month. I really struggled mm. and I did go to breastfeeding groups. I just didn't really get the help I felt that I needed. So then I expressed for three months, but but I was I was exhausted. Wow. I was going to say that's that's so, grueling. That's really hardcore. And then with Walt, I managed three months. I fed him for three months. But when I was in hospital with him, I asked for a breastfeeding lady to come in because I was just having some issues. And even though I'd gone through everything I'd gone through with Ivy and gone to breastfeeding groups, no one had ever said to me, you just look like you have quite flat nipples. So they're not latching very well. No Mm -hmm. one had said that to me. And this lady, this angel came in when I was in NICU with Walt and said, oh, have you tried a nipple guard? And it just was an absolute game changer. But that's quite difficult in itself to maintain. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, three months. But when we were in hospital, it was just it was almost a comfort for me, sort of every two hours going to get the big, yellow, noisy um expressing machines and expressing and that's actually a really fond memory for me to look Mm. back it was like the only thing I could control when my babies were were in NICU so 
yeah it was all about all about the breast pumps yeah that's amazing so how did you find the the postnatal period generally I mean for you I mean we've talked a lot about your baby's health but how are you after after having them I I struggled with Ivy I definitely did struggle with Ivy we had uh, we were referred to psychology serv- uh, services in the uh, psychologist sorry services at the hospital which were fantastic I did struggle I was fiercely protective of her and I would have done anything in my power to protect her but I did struggle with bonding Mm. Uh, she Ivy didn't like to be held because I think of everything that had happened and because of her surgery we had to be careful how we picked her up we couldn't pick her up under her arms so we couldn't hold her in a sling Mm. we had to push her in a in a push chair and in a in a pram so and she would refuse to be held sort of chest to chest if I held her it had she had to be facing outwards mm-hmm. until about two weeks before her first birthday when she came in to me for her first cuddle which was just Aww. absolutely incredible but I did struggle with bonding with Ivy and that has it had to build over time for me there wasn't a, a lightning moment of oh okay now I feel mm-hmm. it. it it definitely built and now I I mean I'm just completely obsessed with her and (laughs) she's my best friend in the whole world and our our relationship's absolutely amazing but I did really really struggle with with I after Ivy's birth. I think that's so much more common than than we're led to believe especially when you know you've had that initial separation from her you haven't had what they would deem that kind of golden hour of time where you're you know just falling in love with each other well even when you are lucky enough to have that with however your birth goes it's not a given so that we're going to develop all these feelings so yeah I think a lot of people will relate to that building of love and it yeah it's just yeah you get to a point where you're just like oh my god I'm obsessed with you so yeah yeah, (laughs) the psychologist did say to me she said it's a relationship you don't just meet people in the street and instantly love them you get to know them and you Mm. spend time with them and it's exactly the same with your baby and she said the same as as you just said that we're society is all these things about oh just the moment I saw him I just knew I couldn't love anything more and she said it just doesn't happen like that a lot of the time it is a very strange time when especially with your first baby and you are getting to know each other and to you know see how you each other tick and and you don't get a lot back at the beginning you know so a lot of the time it is something that really builds Uh, with Walter it was different it was more of an instant and the postnatal period was was much better with Walter I did struggle more going from one baby to two babies than I thought I would Mm. (laughs) I I was quite proactive with Ivy and even from you know the day she got home I would just take her out everywhere and you know we we did so much together I I found the transition to two babies more difficult but for myself the postnatal period with with Walter was a lot definitely a lot easier Mm -hmm. um, than it had than it had with Ivy. Mm, That's understandable. So to finish I think I wanted to ask you what 
What do you feel has been like the biggest life lesson that's come from having your children? What has all of this crazy odds taught you? Wow. Well, they've taught me so much, but I have changed fundamentally as a human being. I have so much more patience and respect and just for for life and how amazing our doctors are and how amazing our babies are and just generally just just an appreciation for human life like I can't put into words the people that I've met through this journey and it's just an appreciation I think Mm. I can't it's so hard to put into words but just I didn't know these kind of things happened I didn't know I never expected for this to be my journey but in a way I'm so pleased that I did because the resilience I've seen in these tiny little people the friends I've made through you know support groups and other mums that are going through the same thing it is just indescribable and also finding that strength in me and realizing what I'm actually capable of and being really actually proud of you know how Mark and I dealt with it and how we've got through it and how we still continue to talk to Ivy about her scar on her chest or um, raise awareness for congenital heart disease or you know money for for heart charities so just a pride in myself I think and just how incredible our little people are (laughs) Thank you so much to Holly for sharing her birth stories. This one was such a special episode for me as not only have I learned something new about how babies with heart conditions can be cared for even before birth, but it's really filled me with so much admiration, not only for Holly's family, but also for the medical teams that they work with, the NHS care they received, and just this community of people who are all connected through having children with some incredibly challenging conditions and coming together to ensure that nobody feels alone. If you know somebody who would enjoy listening to this episode, please do share it with them. You can shout about the podcast on social media via Instagram, I'm Real Birth Podcast, or on Facebook, The Real Birth Podcast. And if you want to get in touch, I really, really love hearing your feedback. Um, what you think really means a lot to me. So you can email me at lucy at realbirth.co.uk, or you can submit your birth story if you want to share yours. You can do that via the website, and that is www.realbirth.co.uk. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. We will be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Bye.